Okay, here we go. Geek Out Loud is brought to you by Tops, the name in card trading. Check out all of their cards from their flagship baseball collection all the way to Star Wars, The Journey to the Last Jedi set, available now at hobby stores and retailers everywhere. Don't forget their online apps that you can get on your Android or iOS device. Tops, rediscover the joy of collecting. On this episode of Geek Out Loud, we continue to anticipate the debut of Stranger Things 2 on Netflix. And in doing so, we're continuing our rewatch. It's Chapter 3, Holly Jolly. On your safe place to geek out, this is the Geek Out Loud Podcast. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Geek Out Loud, your safe place to geek out on the internet and the continuing Stranger Things rewatch, which is happening right now. And we're on Chapter 3, Holly Jolly. Before we get into that, though, this little ditty came across um, the Twitter today uh, in my Twitter feed. It's from Stranger Things, the Stranger Things Twitter, at Stranger underscore Things. And um, I tweeted out about 11 o'clock this morning at the time of this recording and, um, well, at any time. They were tweeted out on 11 o'clock Saturday, October 21st. And uh, it's basically a television. The, the, the camera shot is on a television set. And it says, please stand by. And then it begins to play these various commercials. How does it feel? Like pouring pure One quarter to rule them all. At the Palace Arcade. Dominate in Dick Dug. Save the damsel in Dragon's Lair. Pay respects to Pac-Man and don't forget to visit the missus. Grab your piggy bank and head to Palace Arcade. Top the scoreboard, rule the world. It's a VHS-C, not a VHS. You gotta find the RFP-1U with coaxial cable so you can connect the video ins and outs. It's Atari's Dig Dug. And now for breaking news. Happy Halloween, Hawkins. Camera's slowly moving into the television. Something foul is going on with the local gourds. Bad seed, 
or something more sinister. And I've been doing this a long time, Chief, a long time. And I ain't never seen anything the likes of this. I don't go throwing around accusations lightly, you know me. This happening the day before Halloween when sales are peaking. All the day crops. Dead. Chief Hopper has been spotted at the crime scenes. An investigation seems to be underway. And now a message from the U.S. Department of Energy. But it's so sudden. I mean, it's not like you. Erica. This is Mr. Clark's Science Minute. All living things, from complex mammals to single-celled organisms, instinctively respond to danger. When we encounter danger, our hearts start pounding. Our palms start to sweat. Just showed Will. It's like... These are the Buzzing out and showing wheel buyers. We call fear. And that's that. We call it fear. Stranger Things 2 is, is uh, gearing up here on the 27th. We are not far from it, and we're doing the Stranger Things rewatch as we get ready for it. Man, I'm really stoked. I, I think it's going to be a good, good little season. They're doing a good job of promoting it, I'll tell you that much right now. Um, just by way of quick mentioning some things, uh, today I was alerted as well. Someone tweeted me that they thought I'd like the, uh, the Thor Ragnarok soundtrack because of its mixture of, uh, synth music and, and they said choir, but I believe they meant orchestra. And, um, the person wasn't wrong. Thor Ragnarok soundtrack is out, uh, on all the platforms right now, uh, digitally and uh, Mark Mothersbaugh, who is the founder of Devo, is actually, and he's done other films and stuff, but he it has scored this film. And um, it really is a cool score. Um, it's got a lot of, it has a lot of the fun synth stuff to it, but also some really epic orchestral music involved. So um, if you've got a moment, check that out. You can listen on Spotify or Apple Music and all those places, or Amazon if you do the Amazon music thing. I actually went ahead and just bought the uh, bought the soundtrack on Amazon just to have it in my old collection because I love having these these things at my fingertips easily um, easily snaggable. So, uh, well, that's that's really all we got. You know, you know all about the uh, the the Amazon links and the Entertainment Earth links and the Think Geek links. You know about Patreon.com/slash/GeekOutLoud where you can support the shows directly, like Stephen Bennett has and Stephen. Steve went went over and above the call of duty uh, in in providing uh, all the production costs for our Stranger Things expedition, which that episode is out. It dropped before. So if this is two twenty four. That's two twenty. Yesterday was two. Chapter two was two twenty three, and chapter one was two twenty two. So that means episode two twenty one, I believe, of Geek Out Loud is the expedition episode. Our Stranger Things expedition episode. Huge, huge. Um, uh, episode, but so worth it. We had such a good time, and and some of the funniest stuff that I've ever had on Geek Out Loud is is on that. So here we go. We're going to get into Stranger Things now, Chapter Three. Uh, Holly Jolly. When I count to three, I'm going to count three, and then hit play. I'm zeroed out um, on the uh, on the counter here uh, for this uh, for the show. It's at zero, and so I'm going to count to three and then say play. I'm going to do one, two, three, play. When I say play, I'm hitting play. You know the drill, so you hit play with me as I hit play. Here we go. One, two, three, play. 
You hear the Netflix sound there, see? Um, we'll toy with the volume a little bit so that maybe you can kind of know exactly what's going on. Oh, there's Barb. Bless her heart. Oh, it doesn't get any better for Barb than this right here. From this point on, this is the best Barb will ever be again. And that's not funny. <laughs> it's not funny at all. <laughs> Nancy? Nancy? And she's without her glasses. This always bothered me because I'm someone who wears glasses and cannot see without them. And if it's dark, oh, there's, see, this is the creepiest thing. You got a teenager sitting there in a broad making out with some dude. And I don't like this. I know she's probably not, a, you know, a, she's legal in real life, but I don't, this is all way too much stuff. I don't, I don't like it very much at all. So, um, but when my glasses are off, I can't see. And it always bothers me when someone loses their glasses in, in television and movies and they can see okay. When glasses are just an interchangeable thing. I'll tell you something that's recently done that has been uh, Voltron, the Legendary Defender, another Netflix exclusive series. I don't know if you guys are watching that or not. I recommend it. It's in its fourth season. They shortened the seasons down um, to, I guess, release them a little bit quicker or more quickly. And um, you know what? I'll be honest. If I had it, if I had my way, there'd be a few more road beasts and a little bit more Voltron battling, like some road beasts and that sort of thing. But um, Poor Barb. I know I'm not giving Barb enough right now because I don't like the I don't like the intimate scene with Nancy and Steve. It really bothers me because they're teenagers, guys. And I don't think we needed to see that, you know, much. I, too much left to our imaginations. Or not enough left to our imaginations, I should say. I don't know how to say that without even sounding creepy. Anyhow, here we go. if they did that intro um, the old school way or the new school because there's even like the shaky look that comes with some of these composite words and everything um, to some of the names as the names are coming up on the opening credits this is a, look here's another reason I don't like Steve like wake up you just you just completely changed this girl's life you know you completely escorted her into a different stage of living and knowledge and understanding of certain things the least you can do is get up and take her home you flipping loser you're a loser steve not me steve on screen is a loser meanwhile barb's down there suffering at the hands of some terrible monster oh poor barb gosh it you know what she's not even a real character she's not even a real person but it just breaks my heart for barb that she is gone because she she didn't deserve it. She didn't deserve it. I don't know how to make this case any clearer. Of all the... Uh, and, of course, I know Will didn't deserve it either. But, man, you know, why not have her find Will and help Will and them help one another? 
course, she probably would have just caused Will all kinds of issues. She probably would have got Will killed. Oh, Nancy, you should live with guilt the rest of your life for what happened to your friend. I hope that you grow up to be someone who's addicted to pills or something because you can't. That's terrible. That's terrible to wish on anybody. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just get really fired up about the injustice done to Barb. There's, it's, it's an injustice, and there's no other way around it. It's an injustice done to Barb. It's terrible. I should also probably do more research into things like that opening credit sequence, by the way. I, that's one of those things that I should have been able to say, you know, I read about this on the Internet, and I just found out that this is what's going on. How about this? Why don't we do, uh, why don't we check it out? Why don't we see what's going on? Someone in the chat, let's see who's in the chat. We don't have a lot of people here because we're doing this on a Saturday afternoon. Um, but Tenton says uh, they brought in a guy that did 80s intros, he thinks. So, uh, Stranger Things opening credits sequence origin development development. I'm totally not giving anything to her mom here. You can just see um, her mom struggling, her mom caring about Nancy, and really, you know, it, it's it's hurting her. She wants to be there for her friends, and she. This is a weird time for everyone in this little town. Keep in mind, this is a town where nothing really bad has happened since the, you know, the 60s. Hopper mentioned the last missing person was in 1923. The last suicide was like somewhere in the 60s, that sort of thing. So you're dealing with a town where these type tragedies don't occur. And, and when you're a parent of a child and that child's friend has been kidnapped or has disappeared, then you're on edge. And so, of course, she's on edge. And... Um, and, and so she's really wanting to reach out and connect with the kids. So you feel bad about her. Joyce seems crazy here. What's amazing. What the, the one thing they do for us as viewers is they let us know that Joyce isn't crazy. And so we're kind of rooting for, <laughs> we're kind of rooting for everyone to figure out what Joyce has figured out because we don't like, um, you know, because we want her to be okay. We want her to, um, we know that she's right. And, and you know, we've talked about, I talked about in as far as the unraveling mystery goes of what exactly is going on in this show, that they don't let the, they don't let the viewers know. They don't let the viewers in on that. But we are let in on what's happening to Joyce is real and that she's not going crazy. And no one's gaslighting her so far as we know, but she is absolutely aware of what's going on and she's just tired and she's stressed and she's worried and she's upset, but she also knows that what has happened is real. And we just continue to get confirmation, that confirmation of that. Unfortunately, Joyce isn't doing the investigative work of Hopper and she doesn't have the connection with 11 that the boys have to be able to answer the questions as to what is actually happening um, that she has. And, you know, though, though these things are happening and she can see them and she recognizes that she's communicating with Will, she, um, she doesn't have the means to get the answers. And because she stays so much in her little world, it's not till the end that she does. So, you know, we're kind of rooting for her. And that's one of the cool things about the show, too, is you're, you're rooting for all the good guys. And, um, <clears throat> except for Nancy, of course, you want Nancy to end up on pills 
due to her guilt that she can't overcome. Oh my gosh. Ladies and gentlemen, Dustin is about to, uh, it's a wrist rocket. So he's going to, which this is interesting to me. Um, Lucas is like the Demi Gordon's not real. It's made up. But if something is out there, like that's the, that's the mentality of a child. It's like, I know we're all making this up. This is all pretend. But if something is out there, I'm going to put the, put a rock between its eyes. And Dustin's thinking the way I like to think. We need energy for our travels, for stamina. So. <clears throat> and Dustin is in, Dustin's on board. He's on board with 11 superpowers because, and again, this is why I, okay, here comes the first anachronism or it's the first, I was looking at this and I'm like, that's not the original Millennium Falcon. We've seen Yoda, um, but and Yoda was a vintage Yoda from that original 1980 toy line from Empire Strikes Back, but this is not an original uh, Millennium Falcon. This is actually what's called the original trilogy collection Millennium Falcon, the OTC, from back in the uh, early mid 2000s. And um, and there are there are a lot of differences. There's a different paint scheme to that, and and the plastic's a little bit different. Uh, in fact, the way that he handled that toy. Let's me know they probably glued some parts together, like the the top and everything, so that it could be handled that way. But also, I you know you just I just remember the Falcon always feeling a little bit more fragile than that to just kind of throw under my arm and and carry. But maybe that's just me. Maybe that was my personality in playing with the Millennium Falcon. Millennium Falcon was a great play set back in the day. You know, you had you had the ship itself. There was a it had its flaws. You know, there was no way to get from the cockpit to the back part of the Falcon without, you know, opening up the cockpit itself. But they had the little ramp that lowered down and people could walk up on. You you lowered the ramp down and up and um and within the actual Falcon you had the, the chest table. There was a gunner seat for someone to sit in and, and you could turn the gun around and they could fire that sort of thing. And there was a panel that would come up off the floor called the smugglers, you know, the smugglers compartment. But you could take that off and leave it off and have room for your figures to walk around and that sort of thing. But then if you wanted to play as though the Empire was searching, you could put that floor panel down and have them up under it and um, and keep them safe and that sort of thing. And then you could uh, the, you could put the landing gear up, but the front landing gear you could actually hold onto as a, as a handle and balance the rest on your arm so you could actually fly the Falcon around. Some people chose to go with the two-hand method uh, where you're holding it on either side of the back and you're flying around that way. I like to tr I like to do the the handle method for using the front uh, thing as a handle, and I probably was doing it wrong. You know that's fine though. It was actually more of a playset than a ship anyway. So, um, you know, maybe any of us who were flying the Falcon around were doing it wrong. Um, but the Falcon they had there that he tried to get Eleven to levitate is more modern uh, than the one that they would have had in during their time. And it's similar in a lot of its features, except it added a lot of different lights and sounds. The, the original Millennium Falcon, just basically when you pressed a button, you engaged a circuit. You closed a circuit between the button. All right, here this, I'm sorry, let me just stop right regaling you with stories of the Millennium Falcon. You drive up this road, and sure enough, there's this fence and everything there. There's not a guard shack there, but there is a gate, and... um and that gate leads into a little fenced-in area with another gate 
on the opposite end. Uh, there is you can't really see anything beyond that. The, the road there's a hill, and the road continues to come around. There was some compositing of the shot going on there, so it looked as though you could see uh, Hawkins Electric or Hawkins Power up on the hill um, behind the behind the fence behind the gate. But this is where um, we pulled into this, and and I begged Steve not to go into. He was driving. I begged him not to go into the middle gate because that's how they trap you. That's how they get you. But um, so we turn around. You you basically have to turn around and leave. Um, but it is. I think it. I think it is a gate to like a sewage treatment plant, a water treatment facility of some sort. Here's where I was made made aware for sure that this is not the right Falcon from the '80s. The backside, right there. Those lights across the back um, on the original Falcon. Those were decals. Those were stickers that you put on with uh well actually they had red the coloration was red but there the that grid across the back that translucent grid of stuff that's where it would literally light up blue and made some really cool noises because the original falcon just closed the circuit between the batteries and a motor that was inside of it and the motor had a gear type thing on the end of it and it would spin that and flick a piece of plastic so that it would just make this noise like that and um or kind of a kind of like that kind of deal but anyhow um and that made actual noise from the movies and stuff we're back to here you know <clears throat> 11 kind of doing things for herself and figuring some things out but we're also going to get treated to a uh, a flashback here as we get to further understand this child um you've got to wonder what she was privy to when she was there at Hawkins um, Electric, when she was being held hostage. Um, it's, you know, could she watch television? Did she, you know, what, what I don't know, like just her lack. The, there are times where she acts like a child that was raised in the woods, I'm just going to say it, where she doesn't know how to con communicate and that sort of thing. Bless her heart, I feel terrible for her. Um, and this stuff makes me feel even more terrible for her. And I'll tell you this, by continuing to show us these moments with her doing this kind of stuff, um, like it really lets us hate the right people. We hate the scientists and we hate the people who are running Hawkins Power and, and all that stuff because of how bad they are to Eleven. That's a fun little practical effect they did there. And, of course, the nose bleeding and everything. Um, and him just a smiling like it's no big deal. It's like you gotta you gotta take care of the child, but he you know he doesn't care about her, and that really irks me. That really bothers me. And I think you know, of course, that's how they play on all of us. They you know it bothers all of us, so none of us want to see that. I wonder how far Hawkins was from a metropolitan area because. Um, the lack of television signal is a little disconcerting. You know, you'd expect um, you'd expect them to have more than rabbit ears if they were that far away to where they could get a better signal. And, you know, put a big old antenna up on the roof. We used to have one of those that you'd actually we had it. Um, it came down to a little. There was a controller inside the house that just was a dial, and it went north, south, east, west, and you would turn it. 
ever so gently to try to get it zoned in and pointed in just the right direction for whatever it was you were watching. These were the days before cable children. This was a big old antenna on top of the house that you ran up on a pole, and um, as you uh, ran the pole up, the the thing, this antenna had, you know, it, it was like a long rod with little rods sticking out the side, and it was ugly. Make no mistake about it. You can see out in the window there, downtown Jackson, Georgia, as we say, across the street, if you went kind of to the right here, um, you would see the courthouse slash library. It's the exterior used for the library here in uh, in Stranger Things. That building that you see behind them, that's at Emory University. And that's the one that we couldn't quite get into. So there's some, there's some different shots. They're doing some things. You know, maybe they've put some things in the background there or they're filming two different things at a time to... Uh, you know, from two different angles with two different locations to put it all together. Um, I'm not sure where the interiors came from. Uh, I don't know if they shot all the interiors here at Emory as well. That that would be a question for Steve Bennett, who knows all Team Steve. Um, these wood panel walls are great, though. I, I they please, I, I would have I would think they would have had to put all this on a sound stage. Um, to, to have this kind of decor. I don't know that I don't know this decor exists in real life anymore. I don't know that you can find it in the real world in the wild. Let's see here. Artofthetitle.com Stranger Things. I'll have to uh I'll have to read that when I'm not watching TV. When they when they do this shot going down here, I really thought there's going to hear someone would hear him say, "But they're lying." In fact, we got to stay on that cop, you know that kind of thing. But it was just more of a transition piece to be had into this scene here, which again. We're coming to a scene that I thought took place deeper into the show, but I guess we are three episodes in. We're almost halfway through, uh, you know, of an eight-episode of an eight-episode season. When you're at episode three, you're halfway in there. So they're doing what you know you would expect them to do. They're they're sending someone in, <clears throat> taking their time, lowering this thing down to to lock it in. But um, they uh, the I don't know what I was about to say. I was just going to keep talking while we cut back to old 11. Oh, 11. I really have a song for 11. This child, Millie Bobby Brown, she does a great job of, of having wonder in her eyes about things that she should know about and, you know, learning and stuff and, you know, sneaking around as though she got bored. The only reason she's doing this is she got bored. You could see it when she... When she just kind of, you know, huffed a little bit and laid down the uh, the walkie-talkie she was fiddling with, not huffed in a bad way, but you know, just you know, just kind of, you know, how you do you sigh when you're bored. I guess a sigh would be heavy sigh more than a huff. Um, the music box scared her. She's very on edge, and of course she is. You know, this is a child who's been through the ringer, been through a lot. 
that was a common type music box back in the day, wasn't it? With a little lady on the spring, and you closed it, and she stopped spinning about and around. Look at her face. Like, she is just over... Like, she's overcome with emotion at that music box tune. And it's not a situation where she is scared or it's giving her a flashback. Like, she's just... It's the beauty of the music out of a music box. I mean, like, she just... She's experiencing in that moment things she's never experienced. And now... She sees Nancy growing up and pictures of Nancy in her childhood and laughing with friends and that sort of thing. And, um, but, of course, there's Barb. And I wonder, I don't know if she has a connection to the Upside Down that she knows Barb is missing. I, I feel like she does because I feel like there was a little bit of that there of seeing her and Barb and seeing Barb and kind of being a little upset by seeing Barb. You know who should be upset? Nancy. Jerk friends. Man. See, Nancy, this is what you get for associating with jerk friends. You get a dead best friend, and it's your fault she's dead. You're an evil person. You're an evil person. Well, not evil. You're just... Oh, you deserve all of the guilt. Um, here we go. The show's main title functions as a tribute to some of the era's most iconic book covers and title sequences, a pastiche of first impressions. Paired with a synthy title track straight out of a Carpenter flick, the Stranger Things sequence echoes the openings of genre classics like Altered States and The Dead Zone, both in form and tone. Large, hollow-type drifts through a void slowly assembling its glowing red edges, cutting through the darkness as smaller credits fade in and out. The primary typeface, uh, uh, it's chosen because of its deep associations with early 80s Stephen King paperbacks and choose-your-own-adventure series and other dusty, musty touchstones. It's not only a fitting successor to a revered title design tradition, but a treatment, a testament to the power of the type and motion enormous potential, uh, potency of nostalgia. A discussion with the creative director, Michelle Doherty. Um, what was the first meeting about this sequence like? The first meeting was set up by Sean Levy, one of the executive producers. Okay, I'll have to come back to that. Oh my gosh, these stupid bullies. I, there's no, Okay, this scene here, uh, and you hear us talk about on the expedition, this is where they're, you know, down here where they're finding the rocks and stuff. This is way across from where we parked and you can see the gym there through the trees when you when it cuts where you can see up through the trees behind where the bullies were standing and um the there was a few things that weren't down there the the, the bleachers and everything just the other side of that little tree line behind that blue building is uh is a set of train tracks um they're not the train tracks they walk on um but uh but they got the monster killer ready to go but man, we we had walked all around this this property, and then just as we were about to get back in the vehicle to leave, Shaz says, "There it is," and I see we have a whole, um, a whole uh, soccer field now to walk across, and not to mention get down to, and it was very distressing to me as a fat kid. So. 
Great moment here. Creepy Jonathan moment. And again, necessary. I wish that, and I said this on the last episode, I wish there had been a way to, um, to do this in a less creepy way that Jonathan could have that picture and not have the stuff with Nancy. Um, because I feel like, I, I don't know, I feel like that that's a hard leap. And I don't mean to pick this thing apart, but I feel like it's a hard leap for Nancy to get over to trust Jonathan after, you know, he's basically peeping Tommen on him. So, you know, that's, that's what I'm saying. I wonder if Karen's got a funk about her. I wonder if she's showered. Not Karen, um, Joyce. If she's, uh, if she's, if she's got it, if she's been showering. She needs to, you know, um, if she's not. Back to downtown Jackson, Georgia. That was my random thought of how things smell. Um, this is not the courthouse. You can see it says library up there. And this is not the interior of the building you just saw. This is actually interior where we had to kind of trespass a little bit to get to. Now, who is this lady? So that's not Sandra. Marissa is her name. So Sandra was the lady in the last episode, and this is Marissa. I love the look. <laughs> I love the look on his face. Just kind of shock, a little bit of humor, and you know, trying to throw some charm on him, that sort of thing. And oh, so fake, so good. Um, great, great stuff there with Hopper. Yeah, we were not able to get inside of this building. We did take a great picture, or Steve took a great picture through the mail slot, uh, where you could look right to that desk, and you could and you could see the floor and everything. I tried every door on this building to see if one had maybe been accidentally left open because I would have walked my fat tail right in there. Um, unfortunately, though. Uh, it was not, and they had some key holders attached to the door, but we did not have the code, of course. And as you hear in the Stranger Things Expedition episode, 1138 just did not do it, unfortunately. Uh, kids, this is something called microfiche or microfilm. Uh, you Basically, this is how they would store mass volumes of printed works like newspapers and other uh, you know, periodicals and stuff. Back in the day, they would, um, it would go on like a negative type. They'd basically take a small picture of it, and uh, and then you had to put it in these machines, so you could uh, read through it, and it would be a, you know, that the machine would magnify it. But of course, you saw it was more of a negative in, in a negative form than uh, than regular. And so, um, by the time I started doing research for term papers and stuff, though. Uh, of course, I never really had to do anything you to I never had to research anything that I recall using you know to find periodicals and stuff um, so by the time I was actually using research with periodicals and everything, the internet had just kind of come around and you could start to kind of dig into some stuff nowhere near like it is today, of course. This is a scary moment because the child anytime you start involving a child. And they killed Barb for crying out loud, you know. So what? Who's to say they won't kill this child, or or take this child to the upside down? So you're watching this, and you're like, oh, so now the other child is going to go to the upside down, and now you know, 
Mike's mom is going to be freaking out and playing with lights, and this child will get eaten. There's no way this child could survive in the upside down. Look at her. She's an ignorant. Look, she's just got, she just, she's amazed by lights. How old are you, little girl? Grow up. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be so vicious to the little girl. She's a sweetheart. She's a cutie. She is a cutie. Bless her heart. And this does, this does, I, I'm, I'm being very flippant about her because this moment does really stress me out. Anytime children are in danger in these movies, it does, it stresses me out a little bit. This, uh, when she says, when she asks where she's at, Winona Ryder does a great thing. Go back and watch if you want. Um, there's a great look. She looks around with her eyes first as though she's trying to, she's processing exactly what has just been asked of her before she actually looks down the hallway and stuff. So, um, it's just a great reaction by Winona. It was a really good acting choice. I thought just one of those things that I picked up on and, and kind of noticed. I'm like, wow, that's a very natural thing happening there. Or maybe it's unnatural. Maybe I shouldn't have noticed it. Um, <clears throat> First meeting set up with Sean Levy about the titles. One of the executive producers and directors of the show, he told us we'd be working with these amazing creators, the Duffer Brothers, and got us on the phone. After talking with them, I could see what he was talking about. They had this incredible vision. The initial call was them talking to us about some of the film titles they had liked. They referenced Richard Greenberg, all the greats he'd created, The Goonies, Altered States, Aliens, uh, The Untouchables, The Dead Zone, just to name a few. That was great to hear because we understood where they were coming from. It was really refreshing and pretty surprising and that these creators knew about title design. Um, so let's see. I want to see. I know we're getting a feel of it and everything. Let me come back to this. That's Barb's mom, you know, and, and we never really get to spend time with Barb's mom. Again, the payphone is not there, but that brick bench, of course, is part of the wall. And it goes all the way down the side of the wall. You see over behind John where it says Tiger Pride. That basically, what you don't see up, on on the left of the screen behind Jonathan there is the building that is Hawkins Middle um, and the in the gym and everything uh, all this stuff taking place on the one property up the hill from them um, is another building but we didn't go up there and that never really gets used in filming other just being background stuff the water tower is actually right up there um, not far right up there near uh, that building and stuff. It looks like it's a long distance away where they're standing, but it's really not that far. That walk, that crosswalk is kind of right there where they're at. They're, they're about halfway up the parking lot toward, if that toward the, uh, toward the water tower, it looks like. See, we don't need to see all this again. Obviously he's ashamed. He looks a little bit creepy. And, um, you know, look, at this point, you understand what Steve's doing. You understand these guys, but this is where I think they cross the line in breaking the camera. You know, it's like, give the dude a threat and let him go. But no, this is where they take pleasure in bullying this kid. And, um, and, and that's and, and they cross the line with destroying the camera, especially because, you know, he's poor. And the girls are taking so much joy in what has just happened. And that's really bothersome, too, 
except for Nancy here. Nancy's not taking a lot of happiness enjoying this. And again, I get that, but I wish there was something else that could have been done. I wish they hadn't had the window shot with her, I guess. That all they had was them partying down and, and you know, seeing those pictures of them there and letting that be the case, you know. Um, because then it would be a look for me talking. I mean, cause he looks like a perv. He does look like a pervert rather than just some dude who happened to be out in the, uh, out in the, uh, out in the woods and happened to catch pictures of there. Look at her, the way she fidgets and she paces back and forth. You can see her doing her little hands, shaking her little hands a minute ago. Just a fantastic little actress. I can't say enough about her, I guess, because I keep bringing it up. Oh. This is not a good flashback coming up here because of the cat. And cats are stupid. Look at her just start to cry at the cat. Look at her just do that. You see the brainwaves there again? So you know she's causing the cat some pain. But bless her heart, she just can't bring herself to take a life. Because she's a good kid. She's a good girl. And you know it's this, and you know I want it anyway. You can rely on the old man, honey. You can rely on the old man, honey. That's not how that goes, is it? That's a rich girl, not a good girl. Bless her heart. Obviously, this isn't the straw that breaks the camel's back for her. But this is the moment that breaks some orderly's necks. See how he's just, oh, they're evil. Just so evil. And he doesn't care. He doesn't care about that child. He cares about what that child can do. So don't let this face fool you. Anyone that can stand there listening to a child scream like that, knowing that she's about to be thrown into a room like this. Mm. You can't. You can't have nothing. So now he's going to come and act like he cares because she did a good thing. God, he's such an evil, evil man. I'm so, uh, I, I wish you wouldn't die. I wish you'd just be permanently injured, sir. Um, so it looks like they didn't do these optically. Um, they did. It looks like they did do them digitally, not optically. The titles. So, and they got some advice from a title designer in the area or in the area and that sort of thing. And they actually have at this at artofthetitle dot com slash title slash stranger things. And there's a hyphen between stranger and things. Um, they actually have some what appears to be early versions of the title and some different stills and stuff you should check it out it's a really interesting article thanks for posting that in the chat so that i could read while trying to watch tv at the same time i believe that tenton uh posted that so thank you tenton tipton i'd be confused with tipton what a jerk i hate that man so much bless her Gosh, I just, someone needs to hug that child. And I'll tell you, spoiler alert, as we get close to old episode eight, 
seven, eight, when she and Joyce finally encounter each other. I'll tell you, I'm so glad that she comes in, in touch with someone who is not scared to mother her the way that Joyce does because she deserves it. She needs a hug. She needs someone just to love her like a child should be loved. And uh, you know what? That's why. That's one of the reasons I love Joyce so much is because Joyce just unabashedly mothers her. So... Nancy's worried about Barb. But you you should be. You've sentenced your friend to death because you wanted to go have a night with old freaky weird hair boy there. And his friends. How can you even call them friends? I guess, I know they're walking right now and I know we're headed to, to find some things, but I need to... Uh, tell you right now about tops tops is the name in collectible card trading they have been since 1950 when they first put baseball cards in with their chewing gum there's no more gum in tops cards unfortunately but there is cards and they have cards everything from their flagship baseball card series to the star wars journey to the force awakens series available now check this out a hero's quest number 20 of 20 it's card number 70 it's got that classic 70s card border the blue with the kind of the the splotchy stars it's got a classic card back with the yellow and the and the star wars and the film up at the top and uh and uh, x-wing uh on going after a dester on the bottom the actual card here it's a great card stock these cards are made like the old cards they're not made with the super gloss and that sort of thing they're just very much they feel like old school cards. They 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 look like old school cards, and they've got scenes from across the Star Wars saga, including Clone Wars and Rebels scenes, uh, and uh, they've got some shots from the Last Jedi coming up. So it's the Journey to the Last Jedi card trading set. Get it now at available retailers. You can get them. I know different retailers have uh, different types of special inserts, but but you're always looking for those autographs and sketch cards. And uh, check them out. And head to Tops.com to check out all their other exclusive merchandise and stuff there at Tops.com. It's Tops. Rediscover them and rediscover the joy of collecting. Well, Nancy, what do you think you're going to find at Steve's house? You stupid idiot. Huh? You think you're going to find Barb? No, you're not going to find Barb. You're going to find trouble. Barb's dead because of you, Nancy. You're going to carry that on your conscience the rest of your days. I'm being way too rough on Nancy. I apologize if I'm coming across as too harsh and too unkind. But man, she just has really upset me. You better run. That's right, you better run. That's what uh, Rachel Dahl said in Batman Begins. That's right, you better run. They put in a sound effect, I guess, for us, because you don't really, <clears throat> I don't know, I never hear a sound effect. I, there is a buzzing sometimes, you know, depending on how the electricity is traveling to the light and through the light and that sort of thing. But often you don't really hear the little tink, 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 the way you do here. Um, and it's never apparent that they actually hear it because she just, she's sitting there smoking and didn't realize it. And um, you get the sense that... Uh, that she can't really hear it, but she definitely can see it. 
And this is the moment. This is, I mean, this is a moment of vindication for Joyce. Um, as she communicates now with Will, this is, this is a, a moment for her of, of being vindicated in her beliefs and everything, because this is not, you know, see, oh, the, just the joy in her face of knowing what's going on. But we're also finding out that Will's not safe um, in this conversation, which, you know, stresses me out because I want Will to be safe. We're all rooting for Will. We want Will to be okay. Um, here we go. Smart move on her. You know, look, that's a hard question. Hard question to ask her son. Are you alive? Because she had to... She's coming to grips with the fact that there's something strange going on that she's never experienced and that this could very well be the afterlife. And so, you know, kudos to her for having the boldness and the courage to ask her son if he's alive. So, with just the yes-no situation, we've got a problem. But... She's been vindicated, as worried as she is for her son. And she's doing what any mother would do. I mean, you know, this is an extreme situation, of course, and this is a situation that is relegated to the likes of science fiction and horror and that sort of thing. But in a situation like this, with no one else to turn to, of course she's doing what any mother would do and uh, offering her son a way to communicate with her. That's right, Nancy. Go run into Mama. Yeah, something terrible did happen. Barb's dead, Nancy, and it's all your fault. Oh, you know what? I didn't even comment on the fact that I was too busy talking about microfilm and microfiche. Nancy Ives. I mean, this is where we get into the origin of Eleven, and I'm just wondering... I guess, I, and I can't wait. I'm going to have Shaz on Monday, and we'll talk about some of this stuff. But I'm wondering if we're meant to accept that Eleven is indeed Nancy Ives' not Terry Ives' daughter, that the woman who we meet, who's catatonic and that sort of thing. If we're if we're meant to believe that that is in in fact her daughter, that Eleven is in fact her kid, and if so, then what does that does that have any ramifications down the road? You know, depending on Eleven's role in Stranger Things 2 and how she turns out, you know, at the end of Stranger Things 2, do, where where does Terry Ives play into all this? Will she play into all this? I mean, was this just a one-off kind of thing? You know, sometimes they would do this in these old horror movies to give you a little bit of a an origin or a little bit of a background and then just walk away from it and never really address it again until they decided they wanted to make up something about legacy and that sort of stuff down the road. Downtown Jackson. You'll notice it says furniture company over that one building. That's not what's there anymore. There's no furniture there. It's weird coffee stuff and stuff. I don't like it. The marquee is also a false marquee. That's where the Jumbo Wings and Tenders place is, right there where you see the the Hawk Marquis 
for the movie theater, that is the pub that serves jumbo wings and tenders that I never got to try. So go ahead and get that out of the way. There's an understanding of what's going on from Eleven's standpoint. For whatever reason, she doesn't know how to explain it to these guys. Again, her lack of language skills disturbs me. But what I would say is... You know, the one thing these kids aren't realizing is that she just led them to Will's house without ever having met Will. How do they know that Will, how would she know that Will lives there? All right. I thought this, I really thought this scene happened later in the, in the series, but I guess we're almost halfway through. Man, this thing moves so fast. It does a great job. Um, so I'm going to turn up the volume a little bit and talk over it just a bit because here's Joyce talking to Will and this is a this is an iconic moment good, yeah good, good. That's good. Come on, come on. I G H T H E R E right here Right here, I, I, I don't know what that means. I, I need you to tell me what to do. What should I do? How do I get to you? How, how do I find you? What should I do? Are you? And oh my gosh, classic, classic stuff. And then behind her, there comes the monster. So what do you do, Joyce? What do you do? He's coming out of the wall. And again, at this point, if he's this, if he's here, is Will not protected in the upside down? Now, this is a moment that on my second watch through, even knowing, and we've just, and this is the other thing they do for us so well, Will's alive. We know Will's alive. He's been communicating with Joyce, unless we think that Joyce is being lied to by someone or something else. And so as we come to this moment, this, this is a moment that literally, even though I knew what was going on, it's a very emotional moment. Um, just because you're hoping against all hope that what's being said and done isn't true. And the music they use is, is a great choice as well. And these kids acting is, is great. It's Will. It's really Will. 
Watch Eleven. Eleven's confused. Mike? Mike, what? You're supposed to help us find him alive. You said he was alive. Why did you lie to us? What's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? Mike. What? Hey, come on. Don't do this, man. Mike. This is how Mike. kids talk to each other. This is how little boys talk to each Don't do this, man. Stay here. We've got to stay together. But Mike's leaving. This is this is all little boy stuff, and you just feel it, man. You just feel what's going on with these kids. Mom, standing. Getting choked up now? Just watch it. I mean, this is a real. They, these kids do such a good job with everything they're doing. I mean, this is one of the lowest points in this series, and it's played so well. Mm. God. Let's just go ahead and watch chapter four. I mean, like, it, it's such a perfect ending to this episode as far as wanting to can, get you to continue watching. And, and because, you know, she was just talking to Will. And he said he's alive. So now the question is, well, do we think, does he think he's alive, but he's not alive? Is it, what is the, how does this work? And it's just, uh, it's, it's just one of, it's, it's so well done. And the point that like, you know what, you know that that's a stuffed body they're pulling out of the water. You know that kid's not real, but those other kids do such a good job of acting that it just, it breaks your heart for them. It is fantastic my lanta um yeah so whoo great episode great show oh so apparently i just spoiled something for everyone if you haven't listened to the expedition episode uh m dunn in the chat says i spoiled they didn't get jumbo wings and tenders but you know what? Here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing I've done. What's he? It's it's not about that. It's not about that at all. It's about um. It it's it's all about the uh, what happens because of that. So you haven't uh, the smallest part of things has been spoiled for you. It's fine. The email is geekoutonline at gmail.com, geekoutonline at gmail.com. Twitter, of course, at geekoutloud. You can follow the entire Goliverse at Goliverse. Support the shows by using the Amazon links and the Entertainment Earth links and the Think Geek links, if you will, that you'll find at geekoutonline.com and geekoutpodcast.com. Right now, I believe in Entertainment Earth, they actually have a few of those last of the Rogue One waves with Finn Rao and General Raddus uh, in them. Um... I can't. I couldn't afford to snag a, a case or or a set, but maybe if you're collecting those are ones that you've been wanting to get, you can grab one and uh, have in your collection. Use those Entertainment Earth links that you'll find at geekoutonline and geekoutpodcast.com. 
Also, Fandango links are there between now and November or October 23rd. If you order your Last Jedi tickets through Fandango through those links, you can get a free Last Jedi poster while supplies last. So do that. Avail yourself of that action. You'll be glad you did. Everyone wants a Last Jedi poster. And that is a good-looking poster, by the way. I, I've got to give them props. In my opinion, these posters for these sequel tri- these sequel projects have been very good. The the sequel trilogy, and even Rogue One, the Rogue One poster, I thought was really well done. So, um, lot of, lot, Disney's doing a lot right when it comes to Star Wars. Lucasfilm is doing a lot right when it comes to Star Wars. So, uh, those those Fandango links over there. We do have a lot to talk about in the coming days and weeks with Geek Out Loud, so we'll be doing that. We've got this Thor Ragnarok trailer, and that is, or not trailer, but music that has come out, and that spawned a whole other concept for a show uh, to do an episode of Geek Out Loud in my head. And, uh, of course, we've got more Stranger Things to watch, and that'll be coming up. I watched The Dark Knight Rises for the first time in a few years the other night. We'll talk about that coming up. I watched The Man of Steel for the first time in a couple of years, and we'll talk about that down the road. So... I hope you'll stick around and join us. Um, we've had some issues with people leaving some not-so-favorable reviews and ratings over at iTunes and those sorts of places. If you're so inclined, uh, it helps us out. It helps the shows out when we have favorable reviews and ratings at iTunes. And if you have the time or are inclined to do that, we appreciate you taking the time to do that for us, if you will. I hope to hear from you via our email at geekoutonline at gmail.com, and I hope to see you next time when we get together to watch Chapter 4 of Stranger Things, that being The Body. Ugh, the mystery deepens. Not even halfway through it, it's got so crazy. We'll see you next time on Geek Out Loud. Have Have a good one, everybody.